Hi everyone, we're excited to finally present these guest episodes to you, but keep in mind this interview was recorded on May 19th, 2020 during all the craziness. And without further ado, here's the episode with John Potter. Perfect podcast will focus on how creatives learn from their mistakes and how those mistakes have shaped and contributed to their success. During the course of our talk, we would be interested in finding out more about our guests' design process and want them to share it with the world. We hope our guests' stories and messages will inspire creative minds to pursue their callings. Uh, pursue their calling, sorry. John Potter is today's guest on Pixel Perfect Talk. He is a web developer, salesman, and marketer. Uh, he's done sales for Easy Hire, Netto Logic, Kinderlime, and built websites for everything websites and more. John is also a consultant for a bunch of startups with Tech Bramble, and he also provides tools to help startups market themselves on Agora, Agora.io. During this time, during the time of the coronavirus, he developed findcovidjobs.com, which is a job board site that aims to help all the people who are laid off to find jobs during this difficult time. We are excited to have John on the show and he'll provide insight into startups and how they learn from their mistakes. So uh, John, welcome to the show. Uh, we're excited to have you on here. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for thanks sure. for the introduction. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, uh, it was fun putting that together. Um, so, yeah, I guess, uh, how, how, have you, how have you been doing? This is recorded, I mean, this will be published after the time, but while we're recording. So how, how have sure. you been doing? How are you? Um, yeah, uh, I'm doing really well, especially in consideration of, of hearing new stories of other people in other areas yeah. that are uh, having a more difficult time with coronavirus than... Sacramento area, right? Um, so I'm trying to find more things to be grateful for because, you know, of course, there's new changes and, and stressful things going on uh, in my life. But you know, it's the same with practically everybody right now. So yeah. it's I think more helpful for me anyway to focus on you know what I have to be grateful for, especially when it comes to something as uh, you know unusual as, as this current crisis so uh I, I am able to stay home a lot uh i am in an area that you know doesn't have any huge problems with really high infection rates or or low hospital beds or anything like that so nice. relatively speaking um, it, i've been doing pretty well yeah i guess this has kind of brought us closer together uh, like we wouldn't i wouldn't have connected with you um, if, if it wasn't for the coronavirus, so that's kind of like a weird silver lining in a way. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we're going to start off with this question that we're, we're going to ask every, uh, every, every guest here. Uh, so tell us about your biggest mistake in your professional career and what did you learn from it? So many to choose from. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> I would say I've thought that I had my biggest professional mistake. Probably probably spending too much money on the first couple of uh, startups that I tried to start. I was so focused on needing to hit milestones and needing to get results that, you know, it's nice to go fast, but when you start buying like software tools and, and you start paying for other business expenses, it adds up extremely fast and there's really no end to your needs. Like you always want more things for your business and a lot of those things cost money, <laughs> of yeah. course. Yeah. So that, that might be the biggest one, just spending too much of my own money too soon uh, when it, it might have worked if I was able to be more patient or, or maybe think longer about, you know, what should I spend my money on, you know, track it more carefully from the start so I don't have to try to dig up receipts from like a month or two ago later, uh, stuff like that. Just a lot of the accounting and, and, and kind of boring like paperwork stuff, there's a lot of it to start a business and when you do it for the first first or second time, you you learn all these new things that you never heard about before, all these uh, regulations, things you have to file, and, and and the way you're supposed to uh, pay for things and keep track of all of that. So definitely, it's not like glamorous, but being able to manage your cash flow and, and be more judicious with your finances uh, when it comes to starting businesses is tricky to learn. Yeah. You know, there's a reason we need accountants everywhere, right? Like, it's, it's not easy to figure that out. So. Yeah. So when do you... When, so when you started out, um, do you often start um, only from yourself or do you, do you know anybody else that you want to do it with or how did yeah. that work out for you? Yeah, so for a while I was just working at startups and doing some you know, small sort of hobby project on the side. And with a lot of those projects, I was able to find uh, friends that wanted to collaborate on it. So, you know, let's make this website together, or my friend would ask me to help him uh, design his app, maybe. Um, not so much for the programming necessarily, but like do some user early user testing and, and give feedback on the look of the app, stuff like that. So I'd say I would have preferred to have a co-founder, but I, uh, a lot of my friends that work in tech are in the Bay Area since I lived there for like 10 years. And there are tech people in Sacramento, but it, it's difficult to make those sort of connections with someone where you would where you'd know them well enough to want to be co-founders. Uh, you haven't been in an area too long, especially since for the past, what is it, couple months now or something, yeah. uh, you're yeah. scared from meeting people in person. So sometimes you literally can't, oftentimes. It's almost out of necessity that I, I started this Find um, COVID Jobs website by myself. I'm sure I could have found a co-founder if, if I, you know, really tried for a while. But it, it's a, such an important thing. Uh, I didn't want to rush it, and I didn't want. I didn't want. I didn't want to. I figured if if I need to, I could add one or two co-founders down the road. But you don't want to hitch wagons with someone you barely know if you really don't have to unless you really have to did you have the passion about soft, software development when you were in college or when did that um, happen to you sure so i was interested in in websites um mm. themselves for a long time 
like in elementary school, I, I would uh, use those free domain hosters and uh, make make websites on those, like really simple websites on those. Yeah. Uh, I actually didn't. It's kind of like an on and off thing growing up. So I, I would be interested in it for a while, and then I'd be interested in other things, and I'd maybe come back to it a few years later. But it always stuck with me a little bit because my, my oldest brother was really into programming. Um, he, he had some jobs in high school, just programming for small businesses nearby. Yes. But he's really good at software. Um, so that kind of kept me interested uh, throughout. And then I did sales for a while. And then while I was working a sales job, I started doing freelance web design and got a little better at it and kept doing it. So, um... So what is your process usually in creating a website? So the first thing I like to do usually is to talk to whoever wants it built. So it depends if I'm building it for myself or for someone else. If I'm building it for myself, I'll first make like a wireframe. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll literally sketch on a piece of paper just sort of the general design of how I want it to look, what, what, what kind of layout I want from there kind of like the first version of the website usually just starting with one page so, some websites it's better to kind of do like a few pages to start but usually you just do the home page to start i've used wordpress before um, a handful of times like most people but <clears throat> uh for websites that aren't too complicated which a lot of them aren't i, I like using uh webflow um recently in the past couple of years so that's what I did for findcovidjobs.com, and uh, I've used it for a few other websites, which is interesting because a lot of web developers kind of look down on using tools like Webflow because it's more of a designer tool. Right. Uh, a lot of big companies use it for prototyping, and they like export the code and you know, finish the full stack development. But with that, uh, with more traditional just programming. Uh, as far as WordPress goes, yeah, you could do anything with WordPress. I've, I've done that too, but you know, I, I think I think it's just key to talk to the person that wants the website made and make sure that if you're gonna use something like Webflow, not not only will it be okay for now, but it'll work for many, you know, into the future because a lot of times website needs change and, and people want more complex websites sometimes like a few years down the road after the first build so you, you don't want to get stuck in a situation where you build a website for what the needs are now but you didn't think about what the needs will be in the next two to three years uh, plus and that caused a lot of technical debt problems like redesigning the website in the future that's a pretty common predicament cost businesses a lot of especially small businesses that they don't, they don't really want to think about their website too much. So a lot of times they'll just say yes to the first one or two web developers that calls them or, or uh, knocks on their door. And then it turns out uh, three years later, someone else has to redo the whole website because it turns out maybe it wasn't built very well or, or for whatever reason, just it's a very messy uh, design. So it, it's interesting to, to try to think about all those variables different dates. Uh, definitely there's no one size fit all It's like that. You know, most kinds of software, so many different ways you could approach a problem and so many different types of clients and needs. But that's the gist of it, uh, of how I'd approach a, a website. 
Nice. Uh, so you mentioned that it differs on if you're building a website for your own versus if you're building it on, like for someone else. Um, how, what is the big difference between the two or does it ever change for each project? Sure, I'd say one of the biggest differences is simply you know what you want and hopefully you don't have too many communication issues with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but when you talk, when you're dealing with a client, especially if it's a big project after paying you a significant amount of money for the service, uh, they have what they want and sometimes for example, uh, this, this is not a real customer, but for example, you're talking to, let's say, a cleaning service, and the, the person that owns this cleaning service, they know everything about cleaning houses and that whole business, and they know exactly what they want their website to look like, but they don't understand the technical limi limitations, they don't understand how much certain features cost, or, or even what all the different like features might be, right. if they don't. They haven't heard of a content delivery network that doesn't mean anything to them. Uh, so when I explain to them certain things that, oh, well, you know, we could do it that way, but actually that would wreck your, your search engine optimization if you did that. They're like, okay, what's that? And then you have to explain for a while what SEO is and why <laughs> certain things look spammy on a website or, or for whatever reason he ranked you in Google. They usually understand that, uh, but but that sort of thing comes up, you know, dozens of times throughout this process, right? Uh, just little misunderstandings, little things that, if you have a client that's very curious, they want to learn about their website, or ask all these questions. Sometimes I'll have clients that start asking me uh, about like headers, like they know a little bit about HTML, but not that much, so it's like, oh, well, you know what's the difference between H1, H2, and H3? Right. And I'll explain it to them, and, you know, it's fine. I, I like talking to people, so it's, it's no big deal, but it does add a certain extra element to designing websites for clients, which is communication. You have to really, especially if you can't see them in person, if you do a lot of remote work, you really need to be transparent and really talk to them when, whenever is necessary you have to be upfront about your pricing and upfront about here's my portfolio because some designers like only show a few websites from their portfolio they don't want to show them all because someone might poach their clients or something weird yeah. like that so there's a lot of these weird you know considerations that you have to make uh in light of you know the business environment of websites it's a big business uh you know I don't even know off the top of my head how much money people spend on websites every year, but I'm sure it's astronomical. Yeah. And, uh, you know, freelance web developers and small, you know, web development startups and, and companies just try to get a little slice of that pie. But you, you do have to be mindful of the not just the changing technology, which is, of course, important, but the changing business environment as far as what do your clients actually want, what do they need, and what do their clients want? Because a lot of times you're making a website for a business that sells direct to consumer and it, it's helpful to know a little bit about websites in that space. So for example, a lot of times uh, people will focus on a niche of making websites only for lawyers or, or mostly for dentists or something like that, or like mostly restaurant websites. 
And that, that sort of domain knowledge is very useful when you're trying to build like the ideal website for that type of business. And clients really pick up on that when you know a lot about, say, restaurants and you're building a restaurant website. Even if your website's pretty similar to what one of your competitors would have built, it really makes the client feel better to know that you know about the restaurant business a little bit and that you know about their customers a little bit and what they want on a website. You know, they're pretty specific things people tend to look for. Maybe even you could think of what you look for when you go to a restaurant's website. It's usually pretty frustrating. Uh, usually it's hard to find the menu. So things like that are good to know. Yeah, for sure. That sounds very similar to how like how designers uh, interact with their clients or in terms of my experience, and I'm sure for the same, Andy will say the same, but uh, that's interesting that I guess even though we're slightly different in, uh, in position, mm-hmm. it's like it is very similar in that regard. So like how do you deal with criticism or like let's say a client doesn't like one of the websites that you built out for them, how do you deal with that, um, that critique? Yeah, uh, well, first off, I've never had a complaint. Oh, wow. Let's get that out of the <laughs> That's nice, yeah. Oh, you were uh, <laughs> it, It's tricky. Uh, I tend to be very agreeable when it, when it comes to customer support and being willing to talk to them, you know, whenever they want to talk to me if they have an issue. And... Every once in a blue moon, someone will, uh, you know, say, hey, can you work on this more? I don't really have more in my budget. Hey, you extra to work on it more, but I'm dissatisfied with, like, this little part. You know, if, if it doesn't, if it's not a huge amount of work, it's just, like, one or two hours, I'll usually do it. Uh, I, I tend to lean on the side of just, you know, realize that sometimes things just don't work out the way you thought they would. What, what I mean by that is it could be something small, like uh, there's some interaction in the website, some small animation or something, and it doesn't work how the customer wanted. Or or you thought you fulfilled um, exactly what they wanted, and, and this is the third iteration, but, but they don't feel that way. They feel like we agreed on something else, this part wrong. It, often uh, complaints are over very small things, but for a business owner, practically nothing is a small thing, right? If they see a small issue on their website that I just made for them or, or someone on, you know, my team just made for them, it's not a small issue. It's, it's a big problem. When I get right. into it. And uh, if a button doesn't work correctly or if a part of the website's slow, um, they don't want it fixed. So I get that. You know, I understand on my websites that I make, I'm really annoyed when they try to do something and it doesn't. Uh, function properly or it's slow or, or whatever or the color is bad or so many different potential things to complain about so I, I usually just err on the side of you know let me do a little extra work for you until it's the way you want it or you know let me give you a little discount on what I was going to charge you since you weren't mm-hmm. satisfied occasionally I'll do that if the case warrants it you know you just have to be a little flexible yeah everything you said um is super related to us as craft designers or designers um, in general um, when you work with clients. Um, 
because sometimes you just see um, a one-way uh, road, but for them, um, it's it means a big deal. So the more you work with clients now, the more you realize that you have to look at things both ways. So from our perspective as a designer, and then from their perspective as a business owner, um, mm-hmm. and then we try to communicate and work um, together to 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 fix things out. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, that is interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I guess with business in general, pe- people are people, and when you're doing work for someone, uh, whether it's graphic design or, or websites or, or making an app, you know, on iOS app or something. Uh, I, I've just run into this with sales in, in my previous sales jobs before I focused on websites more. When you talk to people ab- about you know, doing a project for them, they're usually pretty open. They want, they want to like you. They want to pay for your service a lot of the time, but you, you need to kind of show them that you care or that you're invested in some way with, with your time and energy, uh, that they don't want to hand off a big project to you that's going to be significant for their website or for some other part of their business if they get the feeling that you're not that interested. Like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll get it done quickly. But, you know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you, uh, you'll talk to a salesperson. I, I do this all the time because so I, I do listen to demos and I get calls from salespeople for different, like, business tools and uh, business software and you know 99% of the time they're great you know most of these companies hire really good salespeople but occasionally you might run into someone that's maybe having a bad day or something and it really comes off quite strongly on the phone someone is you can tell they just don't quite maybe care or or, or it's hard to tell but you can just get that bad vibe uh, pretty quickly get off on the wrong foot over the phone. It's important to, uh, you know, just actually be focused and interested in these conversations with customers and really try your best to, to see what they need. So, um, so what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in web development? Uh, my advice would be subscribe to a handful of newsletters it, uh, about web development. It, it doesn't really matter too much which ones, just Google around to see, see which ones you like, uh, or, or absent from newsletters, at least read more blog posts and, and just whatever you can find online right. about, you know, not just how to make the website, but if you're going to be a freelancer, how to find clients, how yeah. do I get, how do I get leads, how do I get people interested, how, how do I get referrals from clients a lot of times a good way to get started is developer is find some people in your community uh they could be friends friends they could be family friends strangers but maybe they live nearby maybe they run the local restaurant that you frequent uh something like that a good way to get your foot in the door and once you get more experience building websites for more local clients uh that will help you get more word of mouth and more of a network going yeah. so you could start getting girls and best of all you could call old customers much later and say hey did you enjoy the website that built you know usually they say yes so boy <laughs> <laughs> that's great you know uh could you please refer me to one or two other of your friends or some right. colleagues in a business community 
Because a lot of times, especially like restaurants, for example, so I can use them as an example, they, they know so many other business owners. That, so it's, if you do a great job with a personal touch, especially if you're local, that, that really helps build that up. And then from there, if you want, uh, it, it's much, you'll be much more comfortable selling remotely and, and dealing with clients that don't necessarily live near you. Right. right, that makes sense. Yeah, that seems to be like... That's, that sounds great. Sounds um, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, no, that, that that's interesting because I've been looking into becoming like a freelance designer and that's always been the advice for, for me too is just always talk to friends of friends, talk to local businesses and um, <laughs> I guess it's another parallel between web development and, and design as well. That's interesting. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's hard. Uh, I was just going to say it's difficult depending on what type of, sure, depending on what type of business you're talking to. Uh, some get more attention from cold callers and cold emails than others. So uh, I, I remember one time I was, was talking to, to this business owner that just happens to be really close to where I was working at the time. And he said, like, uh, he's basically a mechanic, did some other stuff, too. And he was telling me how he gets calls, like, all day, every day, about search engine optimization and a couple other things. But for somehow, some way, he got on some lists uh, for, for salespeople, and, and they just won't stop calling him about SEO. And <laughs> it's just interesting to me, because it, depending on what type of job or, like, what, what field you're in, um, you could really have a lot of competition. So I imagine it's similar with designers. Yeah. Uh, there's probably a lot of competition out there since it is a job that you could do remotely. Right. Uh, so <laughs> I, I can relate as far as like SEO side of web development. A lot of people like to stay away from that because oh, it's so expensive. So there's only certain types of businesses that even want to pay for it. And even when they do pay for it, you can't really guarantee them the number one spot Right. Uh, you know, because you're not Google, right? Only Google really controls that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, all you can tell them is we will improve your SEO uh, on a very, like, technical, uh, measurable basis, and we will try our best to rank you up. You know, you have to go through this whole preamble, it's, and like I said, it's so expensive. Um, and, and worst of all, because the, the potential payday is so large you have so much competition so when when i call someone uh if, if i'm talking to them about seo or email them if if they're a good lead the chances are they've been emailed and called by other people already that week so they get really fatigued about dealing with salespeople. Uh, and that's something to kind of think about in the back of your head is like what types of businesses not only do i want to work with and not only are good leads but like i don't want to be in an oversaturated field uh, or, or going after a particular segment of, of the leads in this in this area that they get called all day, you know? Right. So mm -hmm. uh, in some ways, there's not much you could do about that, but it's certainly something to think about that you don't want to make your customer feel like they're attacked with emails and calls. Yeah. And some salespeople disagree, but... <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> for what, sure, for sure. Just going back to our learning from your mistakes and stuff, what what keeps you motivated after you screw up? Uh, a few different things, definitely more than one, but one thing that keeps me motivated is kind of just remembering what my longer-term goals are, just keeping that top of mind, uh, knowing that most 
almost any mistake I can make is recoverable, especially in the long term. And also just knowing that you, you don't really know what's going to happen in, in the next week or month or year. So, you know, you have to plan as best you can. But when, when you realize you made a mistake, a lot of times the best thing you do, at least in my experience, is kind of dust yourself off. Maybe take a break for a day or two if, right. if it's a really bad one, and then just make a new game plan. Sometimes it's a it's a it's something you could fix immediately, and if it is, of course, you should do that. Uh, sometimes you need to really think about it and realize that it's not fixable for at least a month or two, and you need to just come to terms with that and really try to keep perspective about things. So, um, I guess more specifically, something that motivates me is just trying to set really large goals and a lot of times you won't hit them or you won't hit them as quickly as you had hoped but if if i if i set a a very measurable goal that's very lofty uh, and try my best to hit it then that keeps me motivated so if, if i say you know in this next month, we need to sell $2,000 more in, in uh, revenue for website services or something like that. Some months that might be hard, especially if it's, you know, winter time when it slows down a lot. But it's good to set goals like that, like yeah. increase revenue. Of course, we all want to increase revenue. But increase revenue by how much, by when. Uh, it, it's nice to have stretch goals like that. That because when you do hit them, it, it's incredibly motivating, and it really puts wind in your sails uh, when you hit a goal that you weren't even sure you're, you're going to be able to hit. And, and I think that helped a lot. Well, that's a very good approach. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is, is just you know talk to people, um, even people that I don't know too well. It, if, uh, if I made some sort of mistake and you know, maybe I'm feeling a little discouraged uh, at the time, a lot of times it could be fixed, not just by like practically solving the problem, but, but also you know, calling a, a friend or two or moving on to maybe another project that I have to work on or another thing on my to-do list. Uh, and if I'm able to get focused on other things and just sort of refresh and, and socialize maybe a little bit with, with some people, that, that really sort of resets the clock. And it, yeah. it's easy to get tunnel vision for me if, if I just focus on like one thing that went wrong and how am I going to fix this, uh, it's nice to get some variety uh, in the workday so that you don't overly focus on a mistake or or think about it all week, you know? Right, right, right. That's such a good advice. Um, uh, I often find myself in a situation that I always think about the one mistake that I, I made and then, and then the day, you know, it's gone so hard for me already just because of this mistake. So I guess what you said, it makes sense a lot to me when I think um, that um, doing jobs like this, like service, um, or, you know, to, to people, you just have to know that you cannot predict anything um and then you just have to like you said that come up with a new game plan and move on and things will be things will be fine at the end yeah 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 definitely uh especially kind of like the longer you look out and most things most things you don't need some wise advice or or great approach but most things just naturally kind of resolve themselves pretty quickly but it's it's the big stuff that it's hard to deal with, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone will occasionally have a really big problem. So it's like just talking about it now, maybe maybe part of it, things like this conversation, getting me thinking a lot about how should I think about the next inevitable problem that might pop up, right? Like, right. 
how, how am I going to react when that happens? I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll try my best. So how do you manage other factors in your life, such as stress, money, time management, and sleep and eating? Yeah, so definitely that's a lot of things to manage. Uh, yeah. You know, everyone has to manage it, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily easy all the time. So especially lately, I've been trying to be more systematic about taking notes and writing things down and developing routines. And the reason I am trying to focus on that more now lately is a couple of reasons. One, uh, because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic and all the chaos that that has caused, it definitely threw me for a loop as far as like staying up later without even realizing it just a little bit later every night and and definitely like eating differently you know some sometimes I don't eat that much and and then I don't eat for hours and then I eat a ton of food and it's like maybe I should just eat normally something you know what I mean Uh, and definitely like it's usually not a problem but something as important as sleep uh, if you're not getting good sleep it can creep up on you. You don't even realize how sleep deprived you are sometimes until you go to sleep and wake up again and feel the difference. So I'm trying, when I say systematic, what I mean is like develop specific routines at specific times, you know, working towards specific ends, right? So with sleep, for example, that would look like, you know, I need to go to sleep before this time every night and I'm going to wake up around this time, you know, every morning, you know, especially when you work from home, as so many people are now, uh, and a lot of people are for the first time, it's pretty easy to fall into the trap of not being able to separate your work life from your home life, right. since you're out working where you usually relax. Yeah. So I think, for example, one thing uh, that is useful is to say, like, when I'm in this space in my house, like this physical space, this is where I watch TV, or this is where I eat, or, or this is where I relax. And then when I'm in this little corner, or this room, this is where I work. Or or you could also split it up by time, right? Like, after 6 p.m., I will not work, or at least, you know, maybe for, for this week, I won't work past 6 p.m., or just little things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's easy to say a goal. I can say my goal is I will work less. My goal is I will work more. My goal is I will sleep more. Those are all good goals, but it's hard to really reach that goal unless you develop specific routines or, or like systems that inch you there uh, day by day and like kind of form your habits differently over time. That, that's kind of how I approach that. I definitely struggle with it sometimes as far as being organized, um, but it's something that you just kind of need to always work on, right? Like yeah. routines, routines change, my work changes, a lot of things change. So especially after like major life changes, it's it's difficult to keep in your routines and, and uh, keep all that managed. But you know you have to work on it nonetheless, for sure. Right. Yeah. I imagine a lot of us are experiencing are going to experience that transition from going into this pandemic life working from home life and then and now you know uh hopefully a lot more people are are now going to be back to their their old life again and that's going to take some time getting used to again so on that note what do you hope to do someday in the future um in your career oh that's a good one i hope 
to be able to uh, get to a place where in my career I had a lot of freedom uh, in deciding like what type of job to do or, or what uh, what new thing to learn about. Uh, for example, uh, I've been interested in machine learning for a while, but it's difficult to learn, especially if you don't know too much about it um, already. So I haven't really had too much time to um, learn more about that. Uh, that's a priority thing, you know. So yeah. I, I guess if I'm successful enough in the future where, where I could sort of delegate some things off to other team members and then focus more on, you know, not entirely, but at least partially on learning new cool things like that every once in a while, that would be ideal. So what that might look like is if I were running a company and, and maybe spent five to 10% of my time just you know, learning something cool that also will be useful for the business. Uh, I think that'd be really neat uh, that I have the flexibility to do that. Because right now, I'm not doing terribly, but, you know, I'm still pretty early days in my career um, yeah. in the long term. And definitely, I feel like my priority should be more about, you know, getting better at the skills I do have and, and kind of focusing what my expertise already is. Uh, instead of, you know, it's nice to learn new things, but you can't be an expert in everything, right? So it's nice to kind of find your niche too, uh, for now. Mm. Okay. Um, So, so um, we respect uh, your time. And um, we actually should have one more quick question for you. Um, And so we call this a silly question. Um, So what is your spirit animal and why? It's just, you know, to uh, have fun at the end. <laughs> uh, spirit animal, huh? It's a, it's a tough one. Uh, I'll, I'll say monkey. I'll go with monkey. Okay. Okay. And, and the why is I was born in the year of the monkey. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. And then also... Uh, I think monkeys are off, often, as, you know, associated with like curiosity and climbing trees and eating bananas and I like all those things. So, <laughs> it just seems seems like a natural choice. Yeah, that That's works. Great. I like it. <laughs> I like I like specifically just because it's your Chinese zodiac animal. <laughs> so I like that. <laughs> well, I did take Chinese classes. Yeah, that that works. Oh. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Well, um, thank you so much, John. Um, I, I guess um, we we can actually, um, again, like I said, respect your time, and um, we can end the podcast here. Um, and we can definitely keep in touch with you. That's it for today's podcast. Um, Thank again. I'd like to thank John for taking the time to chat with us. We hope that you enjoy our conversation. You can follow us on Instagram at Pixel Perfect Talk and visit our website at pixelperfect.blog for more information. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay safe and healthy, everybody. I'm Andy Don, and my co host is I'm Brett Duoff. Yeah. Oh, uh, signing up. Well, actually, also, uh, John, do you want to uh, say where people can find you on social media or sure, any, promote sure. anything, uh, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so you can find me at 
uh, a few different places, but you go to Twitter, uh, check it actually, one. <laughs> which Twitter to send you to. Yeah, yeah, if you just go to Twitter, uh, uh, Tech Bramble, that, that's probably the best place to find me. Cool. You can also go to agora, agora.io, that's uh, A-G-O-R-A.io, uh, and uh, I'm around a lot of other places, so if, if you Google around, uh, I'm sure you can find me. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Great. It was a good call, Brad. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. It's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. All, all learning together on, exactly. on the uh, remote it's very, podcast. It's very uh, circular in that way, where we're just learning this stuff. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, so I'm Brett Duboff. And I'm Andy Dong. And we're signing off now. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.